Well, I, I, I have a, uh, I have a special treat for you and the listeners. Um, ice cream. Yeah, no, ice cream. Uh, me and uh, me and Daryl had a phone conversation the other day, and I was kind of getting on him about Call of Duty, and I recorded part of the conversation. I want to play for you guys real quick. Is that okay? Yeah. You can't keep making the same games every year and charge a full price. Who said that? Who the fuck said that? Who's the slimy little communist shit twinkle toe cocksucker down here who just signed his own death warrant? <laughs> that, of course, the great Arlie army from Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Yes. I, I didn't expect to get a chuckle out of you, Yield, but I'm glad I did. Oh, that, that's, oh, that's him at his best. I, I, thought, I thought that was just, like, a good thing to put in the show. Well, you know, you know, one thing that nobody can laugh at is our trophy counts because, you know, we're out here repping the Trophy Horse community oh so well. Look at you. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. everyone and welcome to trophy horses episode 517 and have no fear listeners community if you think that hearing my voice suggests that we don't have a, a trio today you could be more wrong because returning from the depths of well we don't really know where it's tricky mick what's up guys sorry about last week i had some things going on completely lost track of time i told the boys i'd be there to record just late and just never made it he was too busy fawning, fawning over pictures of Aloy. You're not supposed to tell my secrets, man. Everybody already assumed that you did that, Tricky. Well, I mean, we don't have to confirm it. Yes, we do. And, of course, since we have a trio here completing our trio of trophy whores, we have I Yield to No One. There goes my hero. Watch her oh, as I'm, she goes. Why would you do that? Because it's a double meaning, Tricky. One, I'm paying homage to the drummer of the Foo Fighters. Two, I'm paying homage to Horizon that we are all playing. Well, you guys are playing. I've already planted it. Yeah, sorry, we broke news on that last week when you weren't here. But still, no, that's fine. I thought that was quite creative how to do how to work them both together. Yeah, I I didn't realize he was fifty years old. Neither did I. He did not look 50 at all. Well, I mean, you do have to remember that, obviously, Dave Grohl was in Nirvana. He was the drummer of Nirvana before he was in Foo Fighters. And a lot of those people who played music and we grew up on in, you know, the 90s, they were in their 20s when they yeah, there are know, started, started <laughs> playing. So you figure 30 years later, I know that time slips away. But a lot of times, you know, in some cases, 30 years later or, you know, approaching 30 years later, yeah, people start to hit their 50s. It's, yeah, Dave Grohl was 53. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's crazy to think that, oh, yeah, I used to listen to, you know, this band, the Foo Fighters or whoever, when I was a kid or I was in high school. And then now it's like, oh, my God, you know, all my rock idols from my teenage years are in their 50s, maybe in their 60s. Because I think the offspring, uh, you know, they are getting close to their 60s, if not there. 
I mean, time just kind of slips away from all of us. Yeah, I, I, I still don't even know what uh what he passed away from. I don't think I don't think it's been officially said yet. I'm looking at a thing right now. It says investigators uh, did not say if the mix of drugs was a factor. He died in a hotel in Bogota with the band due to play at a music festival the week this weekend. Local officials said an ambulance was sent to the hotel after a man reported having chest pains. That's all we know. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, it's do we really need to know? I mean, or can't we just, you know, leave him and his family alone, his family and friends alone and let them grieve as they as they should. I'm quite fine with that. And I, I'm fine with that, too. I just I, I only say that and, you know, I'm not like morbid or anything like that, but I just watched a video of him performing the night before and he was like, there was no, no like no indication he was having any kind of issues in this. When somebody just dies suddenly like that, it's just curiosity gets to me. No, I mean, we are humans. We want to understand why. I remember back to when Robin Williams died and, and everyone just dug into that when it's more like, you know, obviously this is a uh, an awful time for his family. Just leave it alone. Stop digging. But, you know, people are going to dig when they, they shouldn't sometimes. Yeah, I mean, even like with Robert Williams, I mean, we all know that, you know, his cause of death and it was just sudden so sh- shocking because you never had like any kind of indication that he was suffering at all. Unfortunately, with that kind of thing, you, a lot of times you don't get the, the warning before it happens. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I know a lot of people say this, and, like, I mean it 100%. Like, if you if anybody listens to the show is struggling or anything like that, please reach out to somebody. Hell, reach out to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you. I'm up all hours of the night. Yeah, Tricky, Tricky will take a break from getting his platinum trophies to, to talk to you and chat with you. As I'm sure you know, any of us would be. I've gone through my share of troubles in my life, and sometimes you just need somebody to talk to. So I totally get it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you can take this out of the show, but there was a time where I told you I, I, I'm on the next flight to Kentucky. Yeah, yep. Never, never got to that point, but I certainly appreciate it. But you know, uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's be happy. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I didn't know how to transition away from that <laughs> and not seem completely heartless. Who knows the Tricky was going to be the one to dig me out of that. Tricky, sir. I am level 681, total trophies of 16,620, with 372 Platinums. As I said, I got the Platinum in Horizon. Um, and I'm, Not that you know the Platinum represents it, but I also got 100% in the game. I've updated, I've upgraded excuse me, every pouch, every weapon, found every single collectible, uh, including three uh, hidden collectibles that don't get registered normally. Uh, I don't know if you guys found it. And I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't found them yet. No, there are. are I've, I've got almost all of the collectibles, but there is a series of collectibles that I have no idea what they are, and I'm missing every single one of them. So it's got to be the ones you're referencing. That's exactly the ones I'm referencing. I mean, you want me to say it? Or? No. No, no, no. I mean, we can okay. do that in a private conversation, you know, so we don't ruin anything for the listeners. If the listeners are playing along or they plan to pick up Horizon after they're done with Elden Ring or, you know, however they plan oh, to play. Oh, 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 oh. I got to go to my soapbox for a second. Oh, jeez. Yield. Yes. Your brother's really fucking pissing me off. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's a family trait. We We can do that. Yes. Listen, I'm going to say this and I want every listener to hear this. 
I am not afraid to play Elden Ring. I have played Elden Ring. It is not my jam. I'm not going to play the fucking game. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> I read Daddy. Hey, he, 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 literally, when he said you got the old man off the porch, you think I'm bad? Get him going. Listen, I get it, okay? Elden Ring is the new hotness. It is just not my type of game. I tried it. I played it. It is not my game. I sat for a half an hour before I was able to do anything, and then the first fight I get into, spoiler, there's no way to win. You have to die. And then I sat through another 30 minutes of cutscenes. I was like, I'm done with this shit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You play Metal Gear that's famous for like a half hour plus cutscenes. But it's but Metal Gear is a subject matter I'm interested in. Ah, okay. Elden Ring, and I've said this from the start. It ne- the story and the the environment it never intrigued me up until what two weeks ago. I thought it was based on Lord of the Rings. I didn't even know anything about it until it was launching, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" And I'll have to watch it at Homer's house or the Brain's house. I've, from what I've seen, you know, little clips that, you know, my brothers posted or other stuff, what I've seen, I've just been like, it's not intriguing me. Now, people have told me, well, you've played, uh, uh, why am I drawing a blank? You played Kingdoms of Almalar, you would like this game, but I have yet to see anything that makes me go, yeah, I'd like to invest 160, 200 hours into this. Well, I, I... I've never played Kingdoms, but I cannot imagine or how they compare. And even if they do compare, I would assume that it's the 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 world and environment of Kingdoms with the difficulty ramped up by about a hundred. That's how I would think it is. But again, I've never played Kingdoms, and like I said, the first fight I even got into, I was one shotted and I died. But you were supposed to die. And I don't remember. And Homer asked me what class I was. I I can't even remember. I uh, I will second tricky on the fact that I mean I haven't specifically tried Elden Ring, but when people suggest it to me, it's like I've played Bloodborne. From software games are just not my jam. Like I, I got through Bloodborne, as everyone knows, but I yeah, I'm not hating on it. I just it's not my jam. So yeah, I'm I mean it's it. I'm not gonna go tell people that. Metal Gear Solid is an awful game series and no one should ever play it, but I tried to play every one of those games and I just, no thank you. I was done. Like, I got halfway through the first Metal Gear Solid, but as as far as 2 and 3 go, I couldn't get, you know, an hour out of it without wanting to stop playing it. So, sometimes games just don't click with you and it's okay that no matter how popular or how well a game reviews, it's okay to be like, that. that's not for me. And and I know he's like semi trolling me too. Like he's not really expecting me to play it, but still, it constitutes a big fuck you at this point. I don't know, man. Some some of those people who who are uh, pumping out or like throwing out the Elden Ring love, they're like those kids, the the Girl Scouts at the at the supermarket. Like you walk outside, and it's like they're like, "Do you want to buy some Girl Scout cookies?" And it's like, "No, I don't really want any Girl Scout cookies." You know, some of these some of these people are out here trying to push Elden Ring like. Like their tagalongs, they're like, take these tagalongs, you know, or have some thin mints and put them in your freezer. I am level four fifty six with a total trophy count of seven thousand eight hundred eighty six and a platinum count of one hundred twenty two in one hundred twenty one games. 
Yeah. 470. While I was waiting for my introduction, you didn't even want me to go. 470. Trophy count. Oh, there's a goal! Just on time. Uh, yeah, and the best part is it's not even on my TV screen right now, so I know they're about to win, but I haven't seen it yet. Trophy count of 8328 and a platinum count of 149. And wrapping up the trophy counts, we have Sid, who is level 553 with a total trophy count of 11,426, platinum count of 219. If I'm not wrong, Sid himself is also playing good old Elden Ring, isn't he? I believe he is. I believe he is. Well, I know, and I know Sid has experience with some of the From Software games, so I'm sure that Sid will crush it. Those are his jam. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll do very well at it. So, Tricky, we know that you have not been playing a whole lot of From Software's newest jam, Elden Ring. We know that you just finished Horizon Forbidden West. What have you been up to, sir? I'm playing Grand Theft Auto on the PS5. I'm sorry. I actually liked the game back when I was on PS3. I just like, I figured I'd go back and play it. I didn't say it was a bad game. I'm just sorry you're playing it on its third generation of consoles. Well, I, I completely skipped the PS4 generation, so it's been a good 10 years since I played the game. Oh, okay. Then it's a new game to you. Yeah, I, I really don't remember. I, I remember some of the story, but I don't remember a lot of the story, so it's like playing for it again. Uh, I am playing, like I said, I got the Platinum in Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I'm trying to look at my trophies to. Uh, well, here, while you do that, what are your? Do you have any final thoughts for Forbidden West? I want to say something, but I know immediately. Uh, I'm gonna roast it for it. Right now, it's game of the year. Oh, I totally disagree. Right now, it's game of the year, and I know Elden Ring will ultimately beat it. I mean. Some reason Horizon's cursed when it comes out when they come out with their games that they something comes out that is a little bit more popular. Uh, I mean, not like Breath of the Wild was better game, but no, it's Zelda, so it was gonna win. And now Elden Ring's gonna win. Um, well, hold on. I mean, hot take here, but everyone always act like Zelda is the greatest thing that's ever happened to video games. And yes, I think you could point to a game like. Ocarina of Time, and you can see how impactful it has been on video games, and I will totally agree with you, but everyone acting like Breath of the Wild is the most amazing, fantastic, like, shift in video games is ridiculous, because while it may be a very good game, like, hey kids. It's not a Zelda game. Open world games have been a thing for a long time before Zelda jumped on the bandwagon. So, the idea that Zelda Breath of the Wild is just the most impactful game ever is kind of ridiculous. But, um, you know, Tricky, I, this early on in the year, I don't want to say game of the year, but I, what I will say is it's a serious contender. I think it should be in there in the conversation. I think it will end up being a nominee for game of the year, you know, oh, absolutely. not having played Elden Ring at all. I can't say that it's, it's more of a worthy contender than Elden Ring or not, but I will say that I, as of right now, it definitely deserves to be a nominee. Now, granted, you know. I've only played one new game this year, so of course it's going to be the, the leader in my list. But, you know, too early to call it, but yes, the game does deserve to be considered within that category. Whether it turns out to beat Elden Ring or not, you know, we will not find out until later in the year. But obviously, the critical reception of Elden Ring, you know, certainly points to that being a heavy favorite to win. That's the front runner at this point. But, it, you know, anyone who, you know, I 
I don't know why anyone would give you shit for at least saying that it Horizon Forbidden West deserves to be in consideration for it. You know, it, it's not a hot take. It's it's kind of obvious at this point. All right. Uh, I've also played Elden Ring. Uh, did not like it. Uh, I've been playing the Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection. I've been playing. Um, why do I always forget the name of the DLC? Guys, help me. Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy. Thank you. Uh, been playing Lost Legacy. Uh, because apparently <laughs> the collection, and I've said this on the show before, only has one platinum trophy for both games. And in order to get the platinum, you have to get a hundred percent of the DLC trophies, which is Lost Legacy. So you basically have to platinum Lost Legacy to unlock a trophy on Uncharted 4's trophy list to to open up the platinum. Yeah, see, that's why I wouldn't buy it. I'll just play it on my four and get two separate Platinums. I haven't played either of the games on the PS4, so I decided to make an effort on this. Uh, and I played a little bit of Hot Wheels Unleashed. Yeah, you you still regret the purchase of that game? I don't regret it, but I wish you would have won with those titles in it. Dude, didn't I, did I not say anything about the, first of all, these are not realistic spiders, they're oversized caricature, caricatures of spiders, like giant cartoony spiders. It doesn't matter, we've been over this, it does not matter. It, it hangs over the track and shoots web at you. That is like nightmares for me. Alright, well I'm sorry I didn't properly prepare you for the Hot Wheels game that included giant caricatured spiders. Three games in a row, you guys didn't warn me about Spider-Man. No, that, no, no, sorry. Nope, that's not true. That is true. No, it's not true. You never warned me about uh, Fallen Order. Uh, but I did warn you about Deep Rock. Okay, here's the thing about well, Fallen Order. I play Deep Rock. You actually came across the smaller spiders first, and I warned you about the bigger ones on... No, no, I, I came across the bigger ones first. No, no, you didn't. You went to Dathomir. First, and that has the smaller spiders. I could, I could bring up the text message, sir, where I, I said the spiders get big, and you're like, no, they're not that big. Meanwhile, I was fighting the big ones already. You were fighting the. There's not big spiders on Dathomir. There, they were all on um, Kashik. Kashik. That's where the biggest ones were. That's where I went. Actually, no, there were. Yeah, no, but you didn't go to Kashik first because you went to Dathomir first because you were looking for the. Do you want me to bring up the text message? Eh, we don't have to do that now. We can update that later. We don't have time. We got a show to do. I, I will bring up the receipt. I, I know you will. You'll spend the rest of the show doing it. I'm, I'm actually looking I, at Right it. now, I can see you're looking down. I, I know what you're doing. All right. But Tricky, anything else you want to report on? Um, No, that's all I've been playing. Uh, I still uh, stand tall on my no rat spam, which has killed me. I'm still buying the games, but I'm not playing them. Killing him softly with his song, killing me softly with no rat plats. I think Homer's getting a little nervous because I've gotten halfway through his bet. He's going to have to donate to extra life. We'll, go, we'll judge by how many cigarettes you smoke on camera here during the show. You've already up to one. Oh, that's nothing to worry about. Not like they're going to win the Stanley Cup anyway. Ho, 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 snap, Russell. You know what? I'm I'm getting on the next flight to Kentucky. That's fine. Just take me out to a nice dinner first. 
How's uh, Kentucky basketball doing? Uh, they got eliminated in the first round. They lost to the Peacocks. Oh, oh, that's right. But the Rangers are in first place right now. So when was the last time a New York team won a championship? We went over this. Uh, Too long ago? Probably the last time the Giants won the Super Bowl. No, I think uh, I think the Yankees won in 2011. Well, I do believe that Kentucky has won a national championship in basketball more recently than a New York sports team has won a world title. So, how about that? How about that? Yield, sir. What have you been playing? So, uh, I did show up to band practice this week, believe it or not. Did you? I did. I was bored one night, and I was like, I'm going to rock out. But the the season was over, and it was in limbo, <laughs> so I was just playing to be playing. Uh, it was 2009, the last time the Yankees won. Uh, I've been playing some Just Cause 3, working myself back to that platinum. Been playing some Deep Rock Galactic. Been playing some Rocket League on Thursdays. Uh, played some World of Warship Legends this week because it was the balloon week. We might as well get the free money. And I have been playing a lot of Horizon Forbidden West. And my unpopular opinion is that it is not game of the year as far as I am into it. But it is a really good game. Fair enough. Fair enough to each their own. Yeah. And and I, I say that because there's just, there's enough little things with the game that annoy me. Like, one or two, I can be like, okay, that's fine. Not every game is perfect. To me, game of the year is darn near perfect. Quote-unquote air quotes here. Because there is no perfect game. But there's just little things here and there that have added up for me to go, you know what, I'm just... And I'm not done with the game yet. My opinion could sway. But right now, I'm to the... It's a really good game. I think people should play it. It will be considered for game of the year. I just don't believe it should be. All right, not to cut it off. Uh, I looked it up. Kentucky last won their national championship in 2012, and that was also the same year the Giants won the Super Bowl. All right, fine. I guess neither one of us has the leg up on each other. No. Well, if you if you want to claim the latest, then Kentucky won it latest because they won it in March where the Giants won in February. Oh, yeah. Tricky digging your own grave there. How about that? <laughs> I, I, I'm open and honest, but it was the same year. You just... That, that that tournament was a month later than the Super Bowl. How about that? All right. Uh, and as far as what I've been playing, uh, pretty much just mostly Horizon Forbidden West. I am four main missions away from the end of the game, and uh, you know I agree with Tricky uh, that um, that it for me it's a heavy contender for game of the year. You know, since I'm not going to play Elden Ring, who knows? It might be my game of the year. Uh, as a Horizon Zero Dawn fan, it's kind of everything I want in a sequel. I know that Yield kind of expected more and more advancement out of a sequel. For me, it's a bigger world, better machines, uh, more intricate combat, more story and depth to the cor- to the world around Aloy. You know, just how visually beautiful it is. I mean, it, it's everything I wanted in a sequel. And so I I love this game and I've loved every single second of playing it, you know, since I started. So a couple questions before we, uh, or at least one question, then kind of one thing I want to clarify. Did they ever confirm in the first game that we were playing in the United States of America? I think, I, I, 
I just I just think that we all just figured that it was okay. So because because a lot of the stuff that you read the your devices that you find you know that you can scan and read mention uh, southeast southwest United States they mention states individually so they lean really heavily on the fact that you're playing in the U.S. But 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 it never they never come out and say that yes you are. Although I thought I read somewhere that this game takes place in kind of the north or the first one takes place in it wasn't the northwest. Oh north yeah, northeast. Yeah, because I mean it would have to be somewhere in the east because they Aloy mentions I'm from the east to a lot of, or further in the east to a lot of people within the game. But I, I just asked because they specifically take you to the ruins of two American cities in this game, and I couldn't think. I was like, "Wait a minute, is this confirmation of where we're playing?" Because I I didn't know if they specifically, or I couldn't remember if they specifically said it in Zero Dawn. Yeah, they they outright say the city names in this one. Yeah, and uh, without spoiling anything, it was uh, they have a nice palate cleanser moment uh when you reach one of the cities, and it, very clearly you could tell you're in that city. Are you talking about the first city they name or the second? Because the first one, uh, where uh, yield. How far are you in the game? I haven't made. I haven't made any of the major cities, but from what we saw in trailers, you know you're going to the bay because you saw the Golden Gate. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to say this without saying. Um. No, I, I I get what you're you're throwing out there, Tricky. It's the, it's the Sea of Sands mission. Yeah, uh, Yield, I think you're far enough where you've already gotten Gaia, right? Yes, I am going after Ether, so I'm, I'm, I'm up with the Sky Clan right now, because you, you don't, you don't immediately get to get Ether, you get sent on other missions, so I am doing those other missions. Okay, uh, without, uh, I, I don't think I'm gonna spoil anything for you, because I think you're far enough. Uh, you have to branch out to get three different branches of Gaia. Yes. Okay, once you go after one of them, uh, and I'm not going to tell you which one it is, I'm not going to spoil for anybody, when you go after one of them, there's a nice palate cleanser moment, like, oh, this is really nice. I, no, it's, it's what I mentioned last week, like the payoff to the Sea of Sands missions, it's, you know, like that moment where you get the giraffes in The Last of Us, like, it's such a cool moment, it's like, it's one of those peaks in the game where you realize, oh, okay, I like this game even more than I thought I could. And I will tell you this. Um, how do I say this without spoiling it? What happens in that palate cleanser moment is can be interchanged through collectibles that you get in the game. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I. I oh. I think that I uh, I haven't done it yet, but I think that what you're I, I think that I know where you're going with that. It, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what happens, but you know, like when you go to the ancient ruins and you have to collect the ornament. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. exactly where I thought you were going. Okay, each one of those ornaments interchanges the palate cleanser. Okay, that's no, cool. I've got the... I've got two of them so far, two or three of them. Well, and it's kind of the same thing when you go to see Gaia, the little room she's in, the... Um, yeah, that's a really cool effect. I love that. The modules that you get from collecting the drones, that can change the, the visuals within that room. 
Yeah, that's really fucking cool. Yield, have you done that yet? Oh, yeah, I've messed around with that. By the way, I have to tell you, you told me my arrows weren't in the game, and you were wrong. Your arrows? Yeah, I told you. I, I, I was disappointed that I hadn't run across my arrows yet, the ones that blow components off. And you're like, oh, that's not in the game. I've I found them. Oh, no, no, no. I, I thought you were referring to something else. Yeah, no. Which, I, which again, I was wrong, too, because you actually get that, uh, the weapon that I was talking about in the story mission. I was. I thought you were talking about the. Um, I I don't know why I confused the two, but I was talking about um, not the chipcaster. It's the one where you shoot on like a flying uh enemy and it brings them to the ground and, and like ties them to the ground. The ropecaster. It's not. It's not called the ropecaster. Oh. I I thought it was ropecaster, but that's not it. Um. Whatever. I I thought it wasn't in the game, but you do a. One of the side missions, and you get it. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, ter- you, were you talking about the tear arrows, which, like, creates this little, almost like this vortex thing, and then it just blows off the uh, components of the... Yeah, I forget what they're called. I call it, like, a repulsor or a, a sonic boom type type of thing, where you shoot it on there, and then it explodes, and... and It, w- it, pul- it pulses out and then explodes the component. Yeah, and, and if you get it strong enough... It'll blow off more than just the component you hit. It'll do an area effect, so to speak. And I always loved that in the first game because I would wreck the Stormbirds and the Thunderjaws. And instead of just specifically having to go, okay, we're focusing on this uh, instrument or weapon or canister or whatever, you know, said component. You would just shoot that arrow in the general area and blow them all off. Alright, so I will give you uh, a tip, and then I have a question for you guys about the game. Uh, a tip for the game is I found uh, this. I, I don't think this is going to spoil anything. There are trophies to tie to the hunting grounds as in the first game. I was struggling with the hunting grounds because I upgraded all my weapons before I went to the hunting grounds. So, if you upgrade your weapons, don't do full draw on your bow. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to complete them. I don't know. I've done two of them, and I've gotten all my marks. I the the marks are fairly easy to get. Like I, I'm surprised how easy it is to get the top uh, one. But there was one in particular where you have to shoot the back and overload the the machine, and it creates like a, a electric field, and you have to shock three other animals with it. I kept shooting it, and it kept falling off. But if I just did a quick shot, like I didn't do a full draw, yeah. it, it it actually set it off. So I was actually damaging the component that I needed to set off instead of just, uh, you know, activating it. So just, you'll know when you see it, trust me. Okay. Uh, now, the other question I have for you guys, uh, a lot of people love the game, obviously, but one of the major things that I'm seeing people complain about is how much Aloy talks and how much she spoils, like you're doing a puzzle. And the other thing I, because uh, one thing through through me for a loop also is how much she's talking. Is anytime she's ever talked, I always thought like she was saying it out loud to herself. But you learn that, like it's her inner thoughts. Because when she's swimming, she's still at full volume and there's no distortion at all. But. Uh, my question to you guys is, what do you guys think about how much Aloy talks? Is like she's spoiling puzzles for you? Because that's a major complaint. 
I, I'm okay with it. Just like, just like they patched in the fact that she was saying that it was in her stash too much. Right. I hadn't noticed that from what I was playing. So I, I don't get the complaint. Um, the, the only thing, one of the, the things that I've noticed is a lot of times talking will be going on while you're fighting. And it's like, you know, why, why we're fighting? Why are we talking? <laughs> but, well, like I said, it, it, it's reality. It's her thoughts. She's not actually saying, well, no, no, I meant like in a conversation, not an actual, oh. you know, oh, okay. I'm talking to myself type thing. Uh, so, well, to answer your question, Tricky, I, you know, I know what you're talking about, and for me, it's not a problem because there are times when, in the game, where I, you know, with some of the puzzles, like, they're not just, you know, just blow through them, like, you have to put a lot of thought into some of them, and there are times when I can feel the frustration coming on, so, like, her saying something actually helps. So, I think that it's a good balance of giving you a hint without telling you the steps of what to do, or giving you a walkthrough of what to do. Because there are times when, you know, if I'm I'm gonna get the point where I'm I'm stuck on a puzzle and it's like, okay, well I'm just gonna go to YouTube or something like that. So I feel like they they do give you little hints here like early on, but you know, maybe too early for some people, but I I, I don't think it's enough to completely blow the entire puzzle. And I think by that point, if you know you haven't figured out, especially with how complex and like multi level some of the relic ruins become in later of the game, that that kind of injection from her is nice to have. See, because I, I noticed one time, and I'm not complaining about it, but I noticed one time I was in a puzzle, and there was a, a, a not a, I forget what it's called. When you shoot out your thing, and you pull, you pull a toy, like a, gri- a grip. The pull caster? You, know you pull out the pull caster, but what's the actual thing you're grabbing onto? What, what is that, like a gripping point? I mean, yeah, I mean, a grapple point. Grapple point. That's it. I'm sorry. Uh, I I walked into a room of a puzzle, and immediately she goes, uh, "Maybe I should go for a grapple point." And I'm like, "You didn't even give me a chance to solve it." <laughs> like she immediately told me what to do. And well, I mean, a lot of times just using your focus and you know doing that little um, check of the area with the focus that'll help you figure out where maybe you know where there's. Um, something on the wall and the ceiling where you can grapple to or you can climb. So that, that definitely can help as well. But I never found the tips to be so invasive to where it, you know, destroyed all the challenge of the puzzle. I think they give you an, a nice little breadcrumb to get you started without, you know, and, and for me, you know, they'll give you that initial breadcrumb, but they don't go beyond that. Like, I feel like they don't just keep, you know, giving you hints and hints and hints. Maybe that's because I didn't, I wasn't running around long enough, but I feel like they give you the initial breadcrumb, and that's what they give you. All right, uh, and one more tip before we move on. Uh, there's a trophy in the game where you have to scan every machine, and there's been a little bit of confusion. You don't have to scan every variant of the machine. You just have to scan one, like, whatever the machine is, you just have to scan that uh, a machine of that type. So it's one scrounger, one thunder drawer. You don't have to uh, scan the apex thunder drawers and all that stuff. Uh, and there's uh, one creature or one robot that only appears one time in the game. And if you don't get it, you have to play the entire game again to get it. Or you can reload a previous save. 
No. Because you can, well, I'm, I guess you could pre, uh, reload a previous save, but it's very obvious the one you have to scan. But just know that it's because it's in the final mission. Uh, if you don't scan it, you know, like Alex said, you can reload a previous save, but if not, you're going to have to play the entire game all again because that's the only time that machine appears in the game. I pretty much scan every machine I come across. Well, I mean, that's good, but I'm just saying, because a lot of people, you know, I've seen some people say, oh, I, I'm missing one machine, and it's that machine. And it's pretty obvious what it is once you see it. Yeah, that's that's a good tip. Um, before we move on away from from the horizon, so I, I just wanted to clarify one thing, because I had previously talked about, you know, in reference to a certain character, how I feel like Gorilla didn't necessarily pay enough attention to that character's impact on Aloy and within the game. I, I do want to say that within Forbidden West, there is more expose into how Aloy feels about that character. And you see, you know, the character shows up in the game, you know, obviously not in uh, physical form, but the person, you do see visages, visages of that person and, you know, Varl and Aloy talk about this person. So my complaint of Gorilla didn't pay enough attention to this one character is kind of, I'm taking it back because, you know, in the sequel, they do address uh, a character who is uh, no longer with us that I feel like was particularly important to the story of the first game. So, yeah, I I knew when you said it and I, like I, I knew that your opinion would change, but I didn't want to spoil it for you. So, yeah, I haven't gotten to the very, like, I, I whatever they, I feel like there's still more to come as far as my gameplay and what they're going to talk about with that character. But, you know, they do they do bring characters previously lost into the conversation. So I do like that Gorilla did pay that one small story token off a little bit better. Because, you know, honestly, for most people, they probably could have just left it in the past and no one would have said anything. Because, like, I know, Tricky, you felt like, oh, well, this is the past. You know, let's not worry about it. But I do like that they are addressing characters that were important to, you know, people within the world. And it's it's not like just like, okay, that person's gone. We'll, we'll leave in the past. So I do appreciate that quite a bit. Horizon is such a fantastic and expansive world. So kudos to Gorilla Games and what they've managed to accomplish in their sequel. Sony, taking a little notes from Horizon and Gorilla Games, looks like they're trying to further expand their footprint in the video game industry by adding to the PlayStation Studios family. This article comes from Herman Hulst, head of PlayStation Studios, on the PlayStation blog, welcoming Haven Studios to the PlayStation Studios family. Montreal-based studio's first new IP for PlayStation is a AAA multiplayer experience. Mr. Hulse says, Today, I'm delighted to announce that Haven Studios is officially joining PlayStation Studios. Jade Raymond brings a wealth of experience from her industry achievements and an infectious passion for creating games, and the leadership team at Haven is an equally impressive group of industry veterans who have collaborated on some of the biggest and most beloved games and franchises that many of us still enjoy today. We began working with Jade and her team in early 2021, and when they took, and when they were on the brink of announcing the formation of Haven Studios, from their first pitch, we were inspired by Haven's vision for creating a modern multiplayer experience that brings gamers together in positive, meaningful ways. We were confident in their creative and technical expertise to deliver on such an ambitious project, and were thrilled to invest in the, their journey developing a new original IP for PlayStation. We've had the privilege of working closely with Haven this past year and have been impressed by the studio's growth and progress. So now, practically on the anniversary of when we made our partnership official, it's, it's especially exciting to formally welcome them into the PlayStation family. We can't wait to see what the future holds for Haven Studios. Welcome to PlayStation Studios, Haven. All right. So, I mean, that's the big news. And 
a lot of people, I posted this in the Trophy Horse thread, and it seems like a lot of people were not particularly excited about this assi- uh, this announcement, which, you know, the, the point to the fact that, well, they haven't made a game yet, so, you know, a lot of it is going off of Jade Raymond. Jade, Jade Raymond previously, you know, one of the people who got the Assassin's Creed franchise started, uh, formerly working at Ubisoft, and also, you know, Watch Dogs as well. So she has experience with big games, but I think a lot of people not seeing anything from Haven yet kind of sour this announcement or like a lot of people are like left shrugging like well, why did you do this um this isn't the one of those announcements from Sony that's like we're gonna have to wait and see if you know the fruits of this labor I, I think that the big takeaway is that while we haven't seen what Haven's doing Sony has and this was already an IP that the, this multiplayer experience was going to be exclusive to Sony or to the PlayStation 2 family of consoles so it's not like Sony had to to buy Heaven Haven to make this game exclusive to them. No, it was already exclusive because they already signed up a deal. But I think that they were so impressed by what they saw from Haven, as they mentioned that like their expertise when it comes to the tech, that they're just like, screw it. We want this game and not only that, but what you bring to the table as far as your future games. So, you know, I, I trust at this point that Sony is making good purchases. And while I haven't seen what Haven's doing, I think that the idea of focusing on and getting more multiplayer experiences exclusive to their console is what they need because that's really uh, an area that Sony's lacking is the multiplayer experiences. Yeah, I, I just to add my two cents. I was one of the people like, why is this news? They haven't even released a game yet. Like, I get that they got another studio and I'm happy for them, but in the long run, it's like, well, we don't know how good this news is because we haven't seen anything from Haven yet. So that's just my two cents. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it again, but I, you know, at some point when you are investing in the PlayStation, you also are investing in the team behind the PlayStation and, you know, Sony computer uh, or Sony Interactive Entertainment. So you got to kind of trust what they're doing because obviously we all spent a lot of money to buy these consoles. And, you know, that in itself is trust within the leadership there at Sony that they're not going to bungle this up. Uh, Neil, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I don't because I was like, when I saw it, I'm like, okay, what have they done? Oh, they haven't done anything yet. So, okay, well, kudos for them, but until we see what they're making, you know, I'm not going to get excited. I was disappointed it's a multiplayer game. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but but Sony needs more of that, you know? You felt the same way about the Ghostbusters game, Yield. Well, that's because I have no desire for that. I have a desire for a Ghostbusters single-player game, not a 4v1 online game. I, I think that would be a good gamer night game for us, though. I, I'm not saying it wouldn't. I just have no desire for it. I, I checked out once you said, oh, you can play as the ghost. I'm like, oh, this is all multiplayer. Oh, okay, I'm done. Thank you. Moving on, not, not buying this. Uh, what I will say before we move on is that I think that Sony has always been really good at, you know, forming relationships with studios. You know, you look at Microsoft, and, and recently they've made some huge purchases. Sony's strategy of creating these bonds with their the studios that make games for them, you know, like a house mark, and then later on purchasing that studio because they do have a really good relationship, they're sticking true to that. You know, they're not panicking. They're not, oh, well, now we got to retaliate like this. They are sticking true to their formula, and I think you have to give them credit for that. Also, yes, Naughty Dog had made the Crash Bandicoot games, but... Sony went and bought Naughty Dog when they were relatively, like, lesser known. Like, that's what they had under their belt, and Sony went and bought them before they truly exploded and became the studio that we know today. So, Sony does have a history of buying 
you know, studios that are, you know, smaller in scope to some of the purchases we've seen recently, and those relationships have flourished. So obviously Sony investing a lot with Sucker Punch and Insomniac before they actually, you know, made those purchases. But uh, yeah, I, I get it. I get why people aren't necessarily excited, but it's kind of one of those things where you just have to trust that this will bear fruit at some point. And it's not like an immediate impact thing. No, I I trust them. I just, like I said, I it's hard to get excited when they haven't given us anything to be excited for with them yet. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. I, but I do think that targeting studios and bringing them in where they have multiplayer experience is is going to be a boon for Sony because if Sony were to buy another studio that's like, we're working on a AAA story-based cinematic game, it's like, you got plenty of studios that can do that. So let's branch out, let's diversify and make sure that we're pulling in more people. So, uh, Also from the PlayStation blog, we've got another article here from Hideki Nishino, the Senior Vice President of the Platform Experience. Title of the headline, PS5 and PS4 System Software Updates Release Globally Today, and this was from back on March 23rd, so this is about four days ago. Our new PS5 and PS4 system up software updates are rolling out globally today, so we want to provide you a quick look at some of the new features. We're also glad to share new details on the variable refresh rate for PS5 on HDMI 2.1 compatible TVs and PC monitors, which is planned to release in months ahead. New features for PS5 and PS4. Thanks to support from our beta participants, we're introducing some fan-requested features to our global community today, like the ability to create our open... to. To create or join open and closed parties on PS4 and PS5. On PS5, we're also bringing UI enhancements to game-based trophy cards, as well as accessibility features like mono audio for headphones. PS5 players with accounts registered to the US or the UK will be able to test drive a voice command feature that lets them find and open games, apps, and settings, as well as control media playback with their voice. For a refresher on PS5 features like how to apply game presets on your console, pin videos and apps to your screen while you play or share a screen to your friends, check the new pro tips cards in the control center. PS, PS app and PS remote play enhancements. Starting today, we're gradually rolling out an ability for PS app users to create or join open and closed parties through the app as well. We'll also, also update the PS app game-based UI to make it easier to access friends, parties, and messaging features, delivering consistent multiplayer experience with the PS5. PS remote play app Users can enjoy new dark mode based on their phone settings and choose from new screen reader languages from both iOS and Android, including Portuguese, Brazil and Portugal, Finnish, Swedish, Turkish, Greek, Thai, and Chinese, uh, traditional and simplified. Uh, I do want to point out with the PS app, Tricky, I'm glad you turned me on to that because the fact that I, you know, because I'm taking a ton of pictures with the photo mode in Horizon, that all getting sent to the app. And me being able to to download those to my phone and share them if I want, or just have them saved on a separate place than my console, is a godsend for me because I previously before was what? No, I'm laughing because I, I told you and you were like oh. previously I had to hook up my my hard drive, my external hard drive to the console, then put the the hard drive to my laptop to move around the photos, and now all I got to do is like go to the app on my phone and it saves it directly on my phone. So that's a godsend for me. So thank you for. Uh, for correcting me and my ways on that. Yield, are you going to download it now? I've had it. Oh, have you? Yeah, I, I downloaded it when the best feature that it ever had was being able to remotely sign in. They took it off the 4. Well, I mean, it works for the 5. Yeah, but you should have put it back on the 4, too. 
I'm sorry. You, or, I, I'm sorry. No, no, just finishing up this article. On the horizon, variable refresh rate support for PS5. We're also pleased to share that the variable refresh rate is planned to release on PS5 in the coming months. On HDMI 2.1 compatible TVs and PC monitors, VRR dynamically syncs the refresh rate of the display to the PS5's graphical out- output. The This enhances visual performance for PS5 games by minimizing or eliminating visual artifacts, such as frame pacing issues and screen tearing. Gameplay in many PS5 t- titles feels smoother as scenes render instantly, graphics look crisper, and input lag is reduced. Previously released PS5 games could be fully optimized for VRR through a game patch, and future games may include VRR support at launch. As an added option, you can also choose to apply VRR to PS5 games that don't support it. This feature may improve both video quality for some this feature may improve video quality for some games. If this result is any, any unexpected visuals, you can turn off the option at any time. Both VRR and the secondary option can be turned on or off. Please note that results may vary depending on your TV you're using and game you're playing. As we get closer to the feature's release, we'll share more details, including some of the games that will be enable that will enable VRR support through a game patch. Uh, Tricky, you tend to be more of the tech guy, so is any of this, you know, making you wet your jockeys? Not really, because I've actually had all this stuff uh, in the beta. For a while, the only thing new is the variable refresh rate, which it's not going to affect either one of you guys. But for anybody tech out there that uh, understands what I'm about to say, it basically means. um, All right. You both know, like when you turn on your uh, your TV and you turn on your PlayStation, how uh, I don't know what kind of TV you guys have, but it pops up in in the corner. It tells you what the resolution and whatnot is. With my TVs, because I have, I have Samsungs, when I watch TV, like normal TV, it comes up and it says, you know, game mode has been disabled. This is the resolution. And this is how many hertz and how many frames per second, blah, blah, blah. The variable refresh rate basically means that the PlayStation 5 is going to be able to switch on the fly if the signal drops down. So the picture stays clear. But you don't notice it changing back and forth. So as as your t- your TV is able to process the picture better, it will automatically update the picture, and you'll like you'll see it, but you won't see it drop down. If that makes sense. You, if you if you guys ever watch like a video on YouTube, how it, like it, it's fuzzy, and then as you know it buffers a little bit, it gets clearer and clearer and clearer until it gets to HD. Basically, the same thing. Only this with the variable refresh rate, it's always going to be HD. You're never going to see the, the the little shadowy stuff. That's all that means. Look, man, all I got out of that article is they're about to make my games look even better, so I ain't got a problem with that. I mean, my eyesight's shitty as it is anyway, so you know, maybe it's not any better than than what I can already see right now. But uh, seems like good stuff, you know. I'm just waiting for them to actually make the user interface and better and. Themes. I just want folders. Right. E- even that would be an improvement. I, I, it annoys me still to this day that they they push things to my console because I play a game. Here, here's articles on your game. Man, if I want to read it, I'll go read it. I, I'm, I'm here to play games on my console right now, not to go read stuff, not to go check out Grand Theft Auto because that's your latest wet dream on the five. I, I, I don't care. I'm here to play games. Quit quit pushing things to me. Yeah, the, the only thing that annoys me that they push is like when they do a sale, they'll download an icon on your cross media bar. It's like, 
oh, well, check out this game. Or they'll download a game and like, oh, it's already downloaded. Just go purchase it. Yeah, I, 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 I delete that off. And the same thing, like Tiny Tina launched. Right. What's the first thing that happens when my game loads? It's on Explore. Boom, Tiny Tina. I'm like, I don't care. So th- that's what annoys me is they're becoming more like like I- internet stuff where you click on something. Oh, hey, here, look, you, you looked at this. So here, let's, this is what we're trying to push. I like the old Explorer where I could see what my friends were playing and what trophies they got. Oh, okay, that's cool. All right, good job. But I just, yeah, I hate the user interface. Well, you know, Sony's just trying to give you more of the information that you need to enjoy games and to live your life in the ecosystem of PlayStation. And there's about to be big changes within that ecosystem because, according to Bloomberg, Jason Schreier and Takashi Mozu, uh, Mochizuku, Mochizuki, we will be getting the uh, unveiling of the Spartacus PlayStation subscription service as early as this coming week. Uh, there's not really a lot of meat to this article. Uh, basically, it confirms that it'll be a combination. It'll be a way for Sony to combine PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. Although, Tricky, you did share with us an image detailing each finer point of the tiers, which it seems are going to be bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, obviously tying to the, the trophy system. So do you do we want to go into that? Is that any kind of, like, is there anything reliable about that, or are we just kind of... No, I, I've seen something on Twitter that says that's fake. Yeah, I, I mean, it's all speculation right now, but according to this image, uh, there, it's going to be called PlayStation Plus Neo, and it's going to be the four tiers. Uh, for $10 every three months, you're going to get online play and free demos. Uh, that's the bronze. The silver is going to be $30 every three months. And you can be able to get the same thing, plus you can be able to stream games. The next step up is PlayStation Gold, which is going to be $40 every three months, and which you're going to get everything there, plus free monthly games uh, and uh, monthly store discounts. And then for the Platinum, which is going to be a whopping $60 every three months, you're going to get all the same thing, but you're going to get exclusive offers at the PlayStation Store. And you can have access to select PS3, PS4, and PS5 games streaming. So so what I want to point out with this, uh, previously it was thought to be three tiers. This is suggesting four tiers. And again, this is not, you know, take this with a grain of salt because it's not confirmed yet. But the getting three monthly games is in the gold tier, which is $30, $30 every, is it $30 or $40? $40. $40. $40 every, every three months. Three months. So, I want to know. Go ahead, Alex. Sorry. We're looking it, it to basically that is what's comparable now for seventy bucks a, a year. So are we going to be paying expected to pay one hundred and sixty dollars a year for the current services we're getting right now? Well, that that's why I think this is bullshit because there's no way they're going to charge you for the platinum tier. There's no way they charge you two hundred and forty dollars a year for it. That's not happening. Well, I mean, also like Sony is trying to go, grow PlayStation Plus. If they're expecting people to pay $160 a year for free games, they're immediately going to lose people. Like, they're going to, you know, drop, everyone's going to drop to the bronze tier. So what, that's like, what, $10 every three months? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even drop to that. Well, I mean, if you want to play online Rocket League Yield or, you know, online 
Deep Rock Galactic, you have to at least maintain some PlayStation Plus. Mm, I, I'd be willing to let my subscription run out and then be like, peace, folks. It's also worth noting, this image also says that this is uh, going to happen on April 7th. So there's going to, uh, you know, the rumor is that we're going to get an announcement next week and that this is actually going to launch on April 7th. I take this all with a grain of salt. And it's also worth noting that I've already talked to the guys and I've talked to Daryl that if they do an announcement next week, which, again, is not confirmed, um, that we will do a special show and have that out uh, to you guys to you know give our full thoughts. As far as this image goes, I think this is bullshit. Uh, but this was the leading thing that I saw going around. So I wanted to make sure you guys saw it and get our thoughts on it. But again, for the platinum tier, there's no way they're charging $240 a year to combine uh, plus and now. Yeah, I mean, this this move seems to be to bring more people into your ecosystem, whereas the pricing for that is absolutely going to push people out of your ecosystem. So I think it's if they do unveil that, I think it's nuts because if Sony is sitting in a board, if the you know the collective heads of Sony or Sony Interactive Entertainment Entertainment are sitting in a boardroom and that's what they come up with, they are all completely out of you know uh, line with the expectations of their community. And then with that, you know, it's almost like hey, with Spartacus, we're not trying to make Game Pass look even more attractive, but if you launch with this. That's going to make Game Pass look far better. So, you know, that's the danger you run at Sony is you're trying to make your own things more appealing while also not making Game Pass look better. So. And it's also uh, worth noting that, you know, this is they're saying that you're going to have different subscriptions. You're going to be able to buy three, six and uh, a year subscriptions, which I would assume, again, that if you're buying a year subscription, you're probably going to get some kind of discount. Uh, but one other question, Alex, you said it was uh, $70 a year for Plus. It's actually only 60 Okay. So the the Platinum tier would ba- basically quadruple the price. That's why I'm saying it's not going to happen. Yeah. They may go up in price, but there's no way they're quadrupling the price. At the very least, the current services that we get as PlayStation, subscriber, PlayStation Plus subscribers need to stay the same price. They can't up that. If they want to offer better tiers or you know tiers with more things that it costs more then that's fine but for the people that have already invested invest in PlayStation Plus they need to keep the pricing the same for those people and if they want if they want to upgrade they can but don't make it more expensive because that's going to be seen very negatively and with all the negativity surrounding Gran Turismo 7 right now Sony doesn't need to piss more people off well i mean the, the my question is i know the price is going up but for people like us who have multiple years of PlayStation Plus stored on their consoles, I mean, I'm good until 2033. What are they going to do for me? 20 what? 2033. I thought you said 43 for a minute there. I was going to shit a brick house. Um, but even that's, I mean, 2033, that's 11 years out. Good God. Um, But, I mean, are you looking to... Shorten my subscription? Are you looking to? Am I going to be able to get platinum for the next eleven years? What what what's happening here? These are all questions that need to be answered when they finally roll this out. Because you got, I I know multiple people that have multiple years of PlayStation Plus stored up, at least you know two three years worth. So, yeah, that seems to be the unanswered question. Well, one of the many unanswered questions about this, but I think that. 
whatever people have now for PlayStation Plus, the free games and, and online play and stuff for, you know, the current cost, you got to leave that alone. Because if you don't, I mean, you're, you're already having people pay, you know, 10 more dollars for video game for each video game. I, I think, you know, I understand that the cost of video games goes up and we've had many, many, you know, decades and console generations without a price hike. So I, you know, I think it's great that a lot of people are keeping their games at 60 bucks. I am fine paying Sony 10 extra dollars a month, but if you're going to make your subscription service even more expensive and your, your, your price hike in there, that's not going to go over well. Yeah. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm looking at this picture and I'm just thinking this. If you look at the silver tier, which is $30 every three months, that doesn't even include the free games. And so just looking at this with the silver tier, you're doubling the price of what PlayStation now is now. Or excuse me, PlayStation Plus is now. You're doubling the price and you're taking away the free games. Yeah, I want to uh, you know elaborate to the listeners. I think that's knocking futz. And I don't think that's happening because they, you know, we may not always agree with the heads of, of SIE, but they can't be that stupid, can they? They cannot be that bold. There's no way. Yeah, so... When when Jason Schreier and Bloomberg, when they say that, you know, hey, this is coming out, we expect a uh, an announcement this week or as early as this week. I mean, we all had heard for, you know, the longest time that it was going to be sometime in spring. So I can totally believe that we'll hear about it, if not this week, then very, very soon. So I totally believe that. But as far as the tiers, you know, that are going around, I just think that's ludicrous. I don't think that there's any possible way that um, you... uh. You can get away with that without having, you know, pissing off way too many people. And and one more thing before we move on. Um, I just want to say that I saw a tweet from Greg Miller from Kind of Funny, who uh, they do a PlayStation show. I mean, not as good as Trophy Horse, but, you know, who is? Um, but they normally record their show on Tuesdays and release it on Tuesday. He sent out a tweet uh, within the last day or so saying that he heard of three different rumors and if any of them come true, it's going to be unbelievable news and they're actually delaying their show recording until Thursday. So that leads me to believe that we are going to get an announcement on Thursday. So something is coming down the pipeline. Yeah, we, you know, I mean, Jason Schreier is somebody who's always had a good contacts in the business. That's why he went from Kotaku to Bloomberg. So, I mean, yes, there's there's always misses, but it seems like he's always had trustworthy sources of information. So, I can certainly believe that we've got something coming on the horizon. Well, I mean, that's just a it's such a good word that you kind of and it's such like a you know an adage that is deeply kind of engraved in all our beings that it's just kind of hard to avoid that. It's it's also hard to avoid in the current video game landscape a lot of the multiplayer experiences that seem to be just have blown up over the last 20 years. You know, we still have our, our single player cinematic games, but man, left, right, center, everywhere you look, there's, you know, multiplayer this, multiplayer that. Uh, in an article with gamesindustry.biz or with an interview from game industry, gamesindustry.biz with Herman Holst, uh, We've got Jade Raymond and Herman Hulse on why Sony is buying Haven Studios. So this article goes into the meat and potatoes of why Sony decided to buy Haven. Uh, this article brought to us by Christopher Dring. 
right, and we're not really going to go into this entire article. Um, if you want to read it, again, go to gamesindustry.biz to give you a little bit of justification on, on you know, Sony's thought process to adding another team. Uh, we'll just read a, a small snippets from this article. Uh, the Haven acquisition will continue Sony's investment in live service and multiplayer games. Although the company has made numerous online games before, it is best known today for the cinematic single-player titles like God of War and Spider-Man. It's leaned into the reputation during the launch of the PS5, both through the marketing and titles it has released so far. Yet the company is eager to diversify. Over the past year, it has acquired an esports tournament, the fighting event Evo. Its internal teams are hiring live service developers. It is partnering with external multiplayer studios. And in January, it made its most significant move yet by acquiring Bungie and the game Destiny. And it's been supporting all this by strengthening its internal support teams to help manage multiple service-based projects. Obviously, we will quote. Obviously, we will carry on making these single-player narrative-based games, like such as Ghost of Tsushima, The Last of Us, and Horizon Forbidden West. Holst emphasizes, but you spotted correctly. We have invested in live-service games because that's incredibly exciting for us. This allows us to build larger worlds. It allows us to create meaningful social connections between players. We have quite a few new in development or conceptualization. So yes, we are setting up for capabilities internally. But exactly for that reason, it is so exciting for us to welcome the, to the to the family, a group of people who have a lot of experience with live service games, to have those central capabilities that we've, we're setting up interact with people who have been doing it for a long time. That, the, the, that notion that demanding customer creates great capabilities that usually holds true in game development. It's really exciting for our central services and technology groups for, the, for these to be working with a class a world-class outfit like Haven. That's great. And it is aligned with a strategy of diversifying the kind of games we are offering to our families. So... Yeah, there you have it there, uh, along with the fact that Sony is just merely trying to diversify its portfolio of games. Their, you know, affirmation or their, their you know, re, re um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their um, recommitment to making games like Ghost Tsushima and Horizon Forbidden West for anyone who was too worried about Sony going the route of multiplayer, 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 just to satisfy, like, the growth and expansion of that genre of games, so... Um, Tricky, you put this on the agenda because you you made the agenda. What in particular about this, you know, made you believe that you you needed to uh, to bring it to the knowledge of the people, our our community, our great community? I, I actually put this in because I thought it'd be good news for the three of us with the fact that uh, we all tend, the three of us tend to enjoy our single player games more than we like the multiplayer games. I mean, obviously we like. You know, Rocket League and Deep Rock Galactic, where we can play with our friends. But I think at the core, and correct me if I'm wrong, the three of us, you know, are re- really more single player type gamers. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I- I'm more of a single player couch co op than I am online guy. But there are games I do like to play. I mean, I don't really think I ever had a fear of Sony moving away from that because. That's their bread and butter, and that is what has allowed Sony to grow so large and so powerful. I mean, they out-revenue everybody except for Tencent, and they've done that on the back of games like Uncharted and The Last of Us and, you know, infamous... Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank. So I never really felt that they would step away from it. I mean, I guess some people maybe needed confirmation of that to hear it from, you know, Jim Ryan or Herman Hulse themselves. But I think that, again, what they're doing with purchasing studios is... They're looking to diversify and bring expertise of all many different types of games. And live service games are just kind of even more so than multiplayer games. They're starting to explode. Or, you know, we've already had the explosion of multiplayer games and we're going to keep seeing those 
diffuse out, but live service is really kind of a newer concept that, you know, while not brand new, is something where we're still probably seeing the infancy of that and where most games still are not in that delivery method. But going forward, we'll see more and more games take to that where like you see like, you know, Ubisoft kind of jump on that with Assassin's Creed Valhalla and they're starting to do more of that within that genre or in that universe. So, I mean, I, I, I really just because I've I've played the live service games like I played Division and stuff like that. But when you look at the games that are the most popular right now, and I'm not looking at any statistics just off the top of my head of what we always hear about. You know, the games like uh, GTA Online, Fortnite, Warzone, Destiny, all those games are basically rooted in, you know, a, a game for service ambition, and that's their moneymakers. And unfortunately, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, and how you feel, but a single player game, I think if I was making, if I was a developer and I'm making a single player game, I'm looking at it as, okay, I made a single player experience, it's one and done. They've made their $60, where if I make a games for service game where I'm constantly putting out content like Rocket League and, you know, I'm constantly you know coming out with a new stadium or coming out with new skins and stuff like that. Those are the money makers that are going to keep me in business and keep me afloat where the single player game is just going to be one and done. It's a simple thing. Like when if you're someone who's getting into investing and, you know, with your money, it's always good to diversify your investments and, you know, your mutual funds and all that. Sony's just merely doing that with their their portfolio of games and their IP and what they offer. So, again, I, I think Sony's making good moves, and I think that I would much rather see them as a company and to strengthen what they do, go for something like Haven Studios and, and you know expertise in making multiplayer games because I feel like that is somewhere where they tend to be weaker. I mean, we saw something like Destruction All-Stars. I mean, they need some help when it comes to that area. So... I think I think I think they're doing good business. It's it's smart business rather than just say, you know, oh well, you know, I know that Ninja Theory is part of Microsoft, but I think it's better than them going and buying Ninja Theory. You know, I, I don't think that's what Sony needs at this point. Microsoft made a great move by buying Ninja Theory, but at the same time, it's not where Sony's weaknesses are. So, and you know, you you answered my question. You said yes or no. How do you feel? Well. I said that, and I was listening to what Alex was saying. So, what was your exact question? Well, no, I, I was saying if I was a developer, I would feel more motivated to make a games for service game because a single player game is just one and done. Where a games for service, I can keep it going, put out new skins, new maps. You know, if I was Psionics, you know, Rocket League is a perfect uh, game model to, to keep us afloat because we can constantly put out new new skins, new. Uh, you know, new track, uh, not tracks, but new arenas, stuff like that, where, like I said, a, a single-player game, like, we have no word, like, take Horizon, for example. Horizon is a fantastic game, um, but we have no word of if there's going to be a DLC for the game, so basically, that's a one-and-done game. I played it, I platinum it, I'm probably never going to turn it back on, unless there's a reason for me to turn it back on, where Rocket League, there's always a reason to turn that game back on. So my question is, you know, that's why I put this topic in the agenda is because I feel like we, the three of us all prefer single player games, but we understand that games to service games, there's like a legitimate reason for them to put make those games. Yeah, there's a legit reason. I mean, the, the thing is with games for services, at least with me, there, there will come a time where 
I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. And I'm getting that way with Rocket League to a point where I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready to move on. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm just, maybe that's because it's what I've grown up with. I'm perfectly fine with single player games. Every so often they'll throw out a multiplayer game that's really cool and I like to play for a while, but I, I just, I enjoy my single player experiences. You can spit me out some DLC to keep me in the world for a bit, as long as it's a good DLC, not just kind of some, oh, here's a battle arena. Um, but yeah, that's just, I, I'm a single player guy, born and raised. Tricky, what I think that you may not be, you know, adding into this equation is, I'm sure publishers, you know, they love sequels because people seem willing to invest in sequels as far as like the people who buy games. But from a game maker's perspective, how often have we seen people, you know, they do something, it's successful, and then they want to go do something else. Like they want to create new worlds and new stories. So I think from the game developer perspective, you don't want to, just like actors don't want to be typecast, or at least most, a lot of them. Game makers don't want to get stuck making the same game for the entirety of their lives. I mean, you know, you got someone like Masahiro Sakurai at Nintendo, and God, he could be part of Super Smash Brothers until the end of his life. But from all intents and purposes, he seems to be done with Smash Brothers. That's what he said. He's stepping away from the franchise. So I think that when it comes to game makers, they want to keep doing sequels and, and tell stories to a certain point, and then they want to move on to something else. I mean, we I don't think we said it on the show, but we had seen previously where Tim Schafer at Double Fine wants to do a new, a brand new game. He doesn't want to do Psychonauts 3. So I think that when it comes from the developer side, not considering money and financials, I think a lot of them you know, don't want to get stuck making the same game for the rest of their life. No, I, I get that, but, I mean, let me just ask you a question. You know, you paid for Rocket League because you didn't download it for free. Uh, me and Yield, we both downloaded it for free when it was for Plus. But, and I, you, you don't have to give me an exact number, but just give me an estimate. How much do you guys think you spent on Rocket League over the course of you playing the game? $10, however many, this is what, season six, so I'd say 60 bucks. Uh, let's see here. See, I had to buy, I had to buy credits for this one. So, five, I bought some initially. I don't know. I spent maybe 20 bucks. Okay. Maybe 40 tops. Now, I'll just ask this question, or, and it's going to be different for both of you guys because you guys are double things. Yield, if you paid $60 for Rocket League, yeah. not that I think they would have charged the Rocket League, you think you would have spent that same $20? Uh, it's possible because of the stuff that came out a lot of the stuff that I bought the cars and stuff I bought on sale at Christmas time so that part of me would not have changed Um, I don't know if I'd have been as invested in the season pass maybe it, it, it would depend on if we all would have gotten still would have gotten together and played so but I, it, it is quite possible because, like I said, the cars I bought, I bought all uh, all on sale, which I would have done if I'd have bought the game outright. And Alex, I think you paid twenty for the game, and you said you uh, done sixty dollars on the season. Pass. Yeah, plus about maybe four dollars for the Ghostbusters pack when it was on sale before we went to the free to play model. Right, but I mean, but see, I mean, that, that's kind of my point is the fact that I I think people in general are more willing to. Spend more money on games for service games 
than buying, you know, one straight DLC pack for, uh, you know, game A, whatever that game may be. Like, I did they charge for Frozen Wilds for the first Horizon game? They I, did, I don't yes. Know. Yeah, it was. All right. So, I mean, that was, you know, even when Horizon, the, the first Horizon came out, they didn't announce any DLC, and I'm anticipating that sometime they're going to do a, a new game plus for Forbidden West, and that's going to be some kind of DLC pack. I mean, we already have an offshoot uh, VR game. Well, I mean, part of the problem with games for services that, you know, you look at like a, uh, look at Pokemon Unite, um, which is, a you know, a MOBA based on that very popular series. You also look at Rocket League and some of the stuff they're charging, like there are skins in Pokemon Unite that are $40. And you look at the goal scores in Rocket League being $20, you know, Yes, you can make more money in a game in a, in a game for service as opposed to you know putting out a game and then making another game, or you know putting out a game, releasing DLC, then making another game. But also, there is an idea that these games of service are you know costing people way way too much money. Um, like like they're asking for some of these microtransactions. They're not becoming microtransactions anymore. They're much larger than microtransactions. So I think that the idea like. Look at you know my model. That, well, that's one that's turned a lot of people off, and it makes people look at you know the video game industry and be like, "You all are you know we understand that you need to make money, and we're happy supporting you, but in some degrees you're like you're just it's like highway robbery, like you're you're asking too much money for these things. So, and I think that looking at the the model of releasing a game and then releasing another game, like you just said, you know, as we you know I've been playing Rocket League for five years now. Because I didn't start playing it. Well, no, six years. Um, it came out in 2015, I believe, and I started playing in 2016. Right. You look at that, and as we said, I've spent. I bought. I did buy the game. I think I bought. Did I buy Rocket League for a friend? I think I bought Rocket League for a friend. So even buying it for a friend, you know, I spent you know 40 on that plus you know 20 for myself, and then 60 another 60 for the rocket passes, and then you know maybe another four for the Ghostbusters pack. Sixty-four. So that's one hundred four dollars in six years. Does it not like make more sense than for the company to, you know, they've made more money off of Horizon and, and its sequel as well as whatever DLCs come out than they have for Rocket League? And I started playing Horizon when it came out in twenty seventeen. So Sony's actually made more money off Horizon than Psyonix has made off of Rocket League when it comes to me. Well, I think it's the same price, isn't it? You said it's paid eighty. You spent eighty on Rocket League and eighty on Horizon. No, 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 no. What do you mean eighty? No, I, I paid. So okay, let's 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 take the game plus twenty dollars for the deal. Let's take the gift out. No, but let's take the gift out. So yes, about eighty four for Rocket League. But when you look at Horizon as a franchise, sixty and sixty are one twenty plus another twenty, say, for the DLC. That's one hundred forty. I spent far more on uh, Horizon. You're talking about for the series? Yes. I'm sorry. I was I was, I, I was just taking one game. Yeah, because that's where your question is. Okay. Would you rather work as far as money goes on a, a, a game for service as opposed to releasing a series? And what I'm saying is, I think that you're expecting more profit from a, a live a game as as far as a service goes. Whereas most people, like there may be some people that spend more, but Yield and I, we we're not going out and spending putting twenty bucks in to buy ourselves a goal score, or we're not putting, you know. Ten dollars in a month to get it, to clear a blueprint to build something for ourselves. We're just doing the bare minimum, 
And while yes, that is bringing more, you know, you know, more interest in the game, more playtime, and you know, ten bucks for Psionics, it does not weigh what we have paid for Horizon in the you know five years since that IP was introduced. And and even I, with I mean, with I like Yield said, like I do enjoy playing Rocket League with with friends, but as far as like doing the rocket pass and you know getting on there and playing with with randos it's not as it's it's getting less enjoyable every season so if i can play with my team and you know we can take on people online that's always a lot of fun you know and playing private matches like that's always fun too but as far as like the game experience as a whole like me playing with other people online it's just not it's like the the, the amount of fun i'm having is eroding and to be honest it uh, looks like a lot of the blueprints and a lot of the items that remain in circulation in that ecosystem, you know, not the new stuff every Rocket Pass, it doesn't seem like they're adding a ton of content every time. Like, it seems like you're cycling through a lot of the same content. So it's, I don't know, the amount of fun I can have unless I'm in, like, with my team and, and playing with my team, it just kind of has eroded over time. And at some point, it's going to be like, well, I've kind of had enough of this. He's on cigarette number two, folks. Put the counter up. Oh, number three. Lucky number three. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, I just... Uh, I, I I put this in the agenda because I know we all prefer our single-player games. And I just thought it'd be nice to, you know, to let our listeners know that you know Sony is still focused on single-player. They're not, you know, following the trend and saying, okay, well... We have to go where the money is. They're still focusing on. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. They're doing that with Game Pass. Well, no, Tricky, I think I that know. you put this topic in as a nice segue to our next topic, which is about Fortnite, uh, a battle royale, which is obviously rather than just a single game, a platform which they can continually add content to. This article comes from our friend Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. The headline reads, Fortnite data mining suggests no build mode will be sticking around. Fortnite data miners have seemingly found confirmation that the game's limited time, no build mode is here to stay. Building was removed from Fortnite's default mode earlier this week as its Chapter 3 Season 2 began, but new leaks suggest the developer Epic Games plans to include it later as a separate game mode. The Hypex Twitter account, a popular Fortnite newsfeed, claiming that Datamine shows that players will have the option to choose between Fortnite's usual building-enabled Battle Royale or its no-build mode when the season uh, ends. This further backed up by apparent loading screen tips that say end modes with building-enabled. Another popular Fortnite leaks account, TweeBR, has also shown off what appear to be menu graphics for the new mode. Uh, the uh, BR's tweet also claims that no-build mode will be available to play in solo, duos, trios, and squads, both of these accounts have shared leaks in the past that proved to be accurate, but Epic Games is yet to give any official confirmation on whether or not the new mode will be sticking around. Fortnite usually Fortnite seasons usually last around ten weeks, meaning it could may could be May before players find out for sure. It's gonna be May. Well, Tricky, you sure as heck didn't add this in for Yield because we know how Yield feels about Fortnite. Yield's uh, you know, we already mentioned Homer being the old man getting off getting off the porch and going to yell at somebody. This is this definitely one of those things in the video game industry where Yield's going to roll up his sleeves, put his fist in the air, and just shake it at the clouds. So, I, well, I I put this in for two reasons. One, uh, and you know, because I'm going to our Facebook page, we have to have the sound. Time to check my social media. Yeah. 
Uh, I put in the Facebook group, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the Battle Royales? Because we're going to talk about this on the show. And you know, he was like, yeah, this is not... Uh, this is going to be a short, not- a short topic. <laughs> and then I said, that's one way to build up hype for the people to listen. <laughs> I-, I tried to get the audience engaged, and out- Yield's like, yeah, don't even bother. We're not going to talk about this at all. Um, no, I mean, just to re- read some things before I go into my thoughts on this whole thing. Uh, Sid said, Toby's addicted to Fortnite. I personally don't play them, but it's easy enough for him to understand. Matt Grinelli says, I think anytime they can add a gimmick to separate themselves from a pack is a good thing versus the regular run and shoot uh, a la Warzone and PUBG. Uh, and then we had a whole discussion about what actually is a battle royale. Uh, he goes on to say, I'm saying I like gimmicky battle, battle, battle royale games. Those like Fall Guys, Tetris 99, Mario 35, or even the upcoming Rumbleverse hold more interest in shooters like PUBG or Warzone. Shooters are fun and all, but I'm more interested in the non-shooter-based Battle Royale games. Uh, Nitro says, I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Uh, and then I just he asked if I wanted to know anything in particular. I said, what do you like? Don't like? He never answered. Uh, Georgia Red says, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think they're the greatest genre of games. But they're profitable, and we will continue to see new ones come. JT says, I don't see a problem with them. I play Apex casually. There's a spellcasting battle royale game that I want to try. I just don't remember the name of it. We found out it was actually Spellbound. Harry says, Fortnite was my first battle royale game. Didn't like the building aspect. Warzone was poo. Apex Legends was horrible. The Brain says, I prefer uh, the staggering entrances a la Battle Royal Rumble. But anything over 30 participants is too much. Thank you, Riley, for that. I like that. That was good. Uh, Andrew says, I get bored of them quickly. I prefer more traditional multiplayer style games as the variety of game modes and multi- multiple maps keeps it fresh for longer. And Curtis says, I enjoy Fortnite a lot. The whole be your favorite characters and try to survive. I have like seven or eight solo wins. No team wins yet. I also play Warzone occasionally with my best friend and enjoy it, but I definitely think Fortnite is my favorite so far. So, thank you everybody for writing in. Uh, I'm going to try to do this again, like, you know, pose a question. Hopefully, Yield doesn't kill the excitement before we get started. <laughs> um, but, I, I put this in because I tried Fortnite when it first came out, and I'm sure Yield, uh, I think you actually said you played a couple rounds of Fortnite. I have at a no. Have I? No, no, I haven't. No, I've watched, but I have not played. I th- I thought you said you went over a buddy's house and played it. I if I did if I did I blanked it out of my memory. Um, I I brought this up because I tried Fortnite when it first came out and I hated the building aspect of it and I've been calling for a third person battle royale game because you know I can't play Warzone because it's first person, can't play Apex because it's first person. I actually went back into Fortnite and I actually enjoyed myself. I did fairly well. I didn't get any, uh, you know, any wins, but I enjoyed Fortnite for the first time with the no building aspect. So I thought this was really intriguing. And I talked to a couple buddies about, <coughs> you know, that are my age that, uh, been playing Fortnite since the start. And, uh, one of my buddies made a comment that made me laugh hysterically. He goes, Ever since they took out a building out of Fortnite, I have not been randomly partnered with a child yet. 
because apparently, you know, the kitty aspect of, oh, I could win because I could build. Now you have to base solely on being able to aim and shoot. The kids can't play this game anymore. So I thought that was funny. But yeah, I I think if they go no building, it's gonna you're gonna see resurgence resurgence in Fortnite. And yield uh you might actually try it and like it. I I'm not I know you're probably not going to because you're a stubborn old man. Yes. But but I think if you actually sat down and you know, played a couple games, you might actually enjoy it. Well, you, you're probably right. The thing is, is is now my game backlog is way more important than a game that I checked out on at the very beginning because of all the videos that you were throwing up everywhere of people jumping around and building and hiding behind a build wall. And it's like, oh, wow, that doesn't seem like fun at all. Yeah, it, the, the building, I, I can't stand. You know, b- building these I, gigantic I, towers into the sky, running circles around each other. Oh, yeah, that looks like fun. Yeah, that that was my least favorite part of Fortnite by far. And I, I watch videos on TikTok, and I know you love your TikToks. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I watch videos on TikTok where they're like, they, like the two guys will come, and like they'll see one guy will see each other and immediately start building like all the way up to the sky. And the guy does an e-boat where he just sits in the lawn chair, waits for him to finish building, stands up and snipes the guy one shot in the head and dead. <laughs> like he did all that building and then just took one shot. Um, so I, I, I like the fact that they took the building out and I hope it stays out. Um, but I, I know there's going to be a lot of people bitching and whining if, uh, that the building doesn't come back. Cause they're like, Oh, you destroyed the game. But I think it's going to be resurgence in the game, and you're going to see actual like skill based players play the game rather than who can build the best. It's going to be who can shoot the best. Well, didn't they say it didn't say that they were taking the no build like the building completely out? It just they have two separate modes where you can build or you, you can have the option to build or you don't have the option to build. And I and I'm saying I think everybody's going to most people are going to fall towards the side of the no build. Yeah, because Fortnite can be fun. I mean. The, the the way they incorporate uh different characters like their Doctor Strange is coming in, Iron Man's coming in, Spider Man was just in. They love or hate Fortnite, they do a great job on the aspect of they incorporate other aspects of pop uh pop culture into the game. And it's always been fun. Uh like I said, I played a couple rounds. I got into the top ten once. Uh you know, I didn't have any kills getting into the top 10 because I was more or less exploring while everybody else was killing each other. I was learning the world. Um, but I, it's, it's fun in the fact it's, a, it's more fun now than it was with the building. And I think you're going to start seeing people that are going to continue to play are going to, you know, fall towards the no building side than the building side. I think that's where, you know, Epic Games did a good job of reinventing this and taking out the building was a great step. Well, Tricky, how about we go from one giant in the video game industry to a giant in the Trophy Horse community? And you know who that is, don't you? It is one of our many friends across the pond. It's Sid. Hey guys, how are we all? Sid again with yet another Sophie's Trophy. Um, This one is Friday the 13th Killer Puzzle. Uh, It's an isometric type puzzle game. Uh, You move Jason around to catch and kill all of the uh, camp counselors. 
Um, you have to dodge policemen and all that. It's basically a, a block puzzle game in a horror setting, if you will. Um, so there are a lot of trophies in this one, guys. Um, I've got 66% of them. I will get the rest of them because I know what to do. Um, it's just one of those things where I've got to get around to doing it. Um, Elden Ring is taking up far too much of my time. So you never know. I might get around to it one day. So as always, you have the ultimate slasher superstar, which is your platinum. Lucky number 13. Complete a 13-day streak in daily death. Um, this one, guys, you can cheese it a bit. You don't have to do it every single day. Um, just... Uh, have a look online, guys, and look at the dates that they've got in the game. And you can just put your date into your uh, PlayStation, and it will give you a different day each time. Uh, next one. Beam me up. Use each colour of teleporter. Um, there are, I think it's three colours of teleporters, and they each do different things. One makes you move across the map, one makes you move up the map. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, just use each one of those when you get to it. Heavy breathing. Use each colour of telephone. There are, again, I think three colours of telephone. Uh, one pushes certain enemies away, one attracts certain enemies. Um, so you have to use those as you go around it. Now, all these trophies, they will just come naturally as you play the game. Death Toll 3. Kill Brock, Susie and Chad. Again, this will come naturally. Jesse's Jumper, kill a victim wearing a rainbow hoodie. Bloodbath, reach a body count of 10. Carnage, reach a body count of 50. Massacre, reach a body count of 100. Uh, Decimation, reach a body count of 250. And Omnicide, reach a body count of 400. This will take a while. Um, you may not get it going through just the levels. You will have to do um, the kill streak. More on that in a moment. Crystal Lake Memories. Complete every puzzle level of Crystal Lake Memories. There are 15, I think, puzzles in each one. Each set of levels. I could be wrong, but let's just say that. Um, then you have Lockdown. Complete every level of Lockdown. Then you have Winter Kills. I Mask New York. Last Resort. Slayground. Wasteland. Future Shock. Return to Crystal Lake, The Ripper, Nightmare, and Jurassic Jason. Those are all the levels in the game. Um, so, as you can tell, there's a lot of levels in there, guys. Um, the best thing to... How do you explain this game? You move Jason around, up, down, left, right. He will only move straight forward in that direction. Um, the direction you push, and there are barriers in the way. Things like that. You can scare counsellors to run into other places. Um, set up traps and work your way around again to push things over onto counsellors. Things like that. Get them to run into fire. All that kind of things. But that will be explained in the trophies in a moment. It's a tough one to explain. Get a five killing spree. Get five consecutive kills in Murder Marathon. Get ten consecutive kills in Murder Marathon. Get thirteen consecutive consecutive, I am so sorry guys, uh, Grindhouse, 20 kills, Gorefest, 30 kills, um, the Murder Marathon guys, you have a red bar, or a clear bar, 
with a red section on it. You have a little thing that goes across it, left to right, and you have to stop it in the middle of the red or touching the red. Um, they change sizes, they change places on the bar. Um, you've got to get 30 kills in a row, which can be quite tough at times because it does get really rather small, the uh, red area. Okay, mass murdered. Kill a total of 1,000 victims in Murder Marathon. Doesn't have to all be done at once, you can just keep going and keep going. Barbaric. Catch Jason in a bear trap. So, that's one of the things on the level. You can either catch a person or Jason, and obviously you catch Jason for that one. Uh, electrocute Jason on a fence. Burn Jason in a fire. Drop Jason in a hole. Blow Jason up on a mine. Drown Jason in the lake. And then we have, basically the opposite of that is kill a victim with a bear trap. Scare a victim into a fence. Scare a victim into a fire. Scare a victim into a hole. Kill a victim with a mine. Tap an outhouse on a victim. Um, so you will probably have to set that up, I think. Kill a victim by drowning them. Receive one unique weapon. Receive five new weapons. Unique weapons. My English again. Receive 10 unique weapons. Receive 25 unique weapons. So, this one, you will receive weapons um, as you fill up your. I'm not sure what they call it, to be honest. Bloodlust, I think, guys. Um, at the end of each level, you get blood going into a mask. Once it's full, you get to open a crate. Uh, crates have weapons. Sometimes they will repeat. Most of the time they won't, so you will get 25 unique weapons eventually doing that. Trade weapons for the first time. So, um, as you're in the game, you can swap a weapon out for another one. Golden Throne. Acquire the Golden Throne. This one, guys, takes a bit of work. You can either just keep doing Murder Marathon um, until you get, I think it's 15 kills, and then you should get a good chance of getting a decent... Um, amount of blood to update your bloodlust um, and that will give you a crate so you can keep doing that and hope you get the golden throne or there are three items you can use I forget what they are um, that you can use to um, transform into the golden throne it's basically a golden toilet seat myth reach rank 2 of bloodlust urban legend reach rank 5 of bloodlust cult classic uh, 15 bloodlust, notorious 30 bloodlust, superhuman 50 bloodlust, and immortal reach rank 100 bloodlust. Easiest way of doing this one, guys, you can either A, play through all the levels, or B, do the murder marathon. As long as you get 15 or more kills, that is generally enough to fill up a mask um, and keep doing that, and you will get your bloodlust. So that is that one. It is a good little game. Um, for the price I paid for it, which I think was about £3, um, you get a hell of a lot of puzzle in there, guys. You get a lot of game. Um, and it is quite enjoyable. It can get a bit tedious. That's why I took a break from it. Um, but like I say, I will go back to it. There's nothing wrong with the game. It's a good little game. So, yeah, that's it from me, guys, this week. Uh, please, somebody give me a suggestion. It would be cool. Um, if I've played it or I know enough about it, I will do it. And uh, yeah, so that's it. I will talk to you soon, guys. Keep getting those trophies and bye.
Thank you, Sid, as always, for that rousing episode of Sophie's Trophies. Gonna say it again, glad to have you back on the show and uh, looking forward to the future that uh, that holds Elden Ring. I want I want to hear about the Elden Ring trophy or trophies there, Sid. So uh, looking forward to that in the future. But again, as always, thank you for another fantastic episode of Sophie's Trophies. Gentlemen, how about we get into our topic of the week? Let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, Alex, I put this in the agenda because I saw you go. Look, it's it's hard to follow Sid, okay? Because Sid is a Goliath. But this is probably a very hot topic that is, you know, circling around game communities across the web. So, you know, it's it's good to talk about it in light of things that have happened with Gran Turismo 7. Because that game is getting user bomb like crazy right now. And I'm just going to preface this. I'm going to try not to argue with Yield about this because we kind of got into it a little bit. All right. So this article is coming from PCMag.com. It is titled, No $70 Game Should Have Microtransactions. It is brought to us by Mike Williams and Gabriel Zamora. Uh, It was actually – this article is actually from last year. It was updated on December 21st, 2021. So we're going back in time a little bit for this one. Uh, but it obviously has some relevancy to what's been going on recently. Quote, over the past two generations, seemingly in response to the rising cost, we've seen an increase in alternative monetization tactics, season passes, controversial loot boxes, and microtransactions in the form of skins and progress boosters have been become the norm. What used to be a single game purchase has become a cycle of purchases that continue in perpetuity as games shift to monetized service models. On a basic level, we don't have a problem with microtransactions. We're looking forward to Cuphead's delicious last course DLC, which adds a whole new island's worth of content. We dabbled in Fortnite and purchased skins in the past. There's a line, though, and it's a matter of turning and tweaking. Fortnite and Genshin Impact are free to play, so there's no price for the initial entry. In the case of Monster Hunter Rise's Sunbreak DLC, we're paying to extend an experience we've enjoyed with new content separate from, uh, from a satisfying $6 game. But there are games that go too far. NBA 2K has been a mess of microtransactions with Take-Two and 2K Sports doing whatever they can to bleed your wallet dry. Recent entries in this sports game series were slammed by fans for abusing monetization. NBA 2K has added an expensive $99.99 Legend Edition, Virtual Currency, My Career Modes, Real Money, Pay-to-Win Hooks, and My Team Modes, Card Packs, and Loot Boxes. The company also added sponsored ads on top of all of this. 2K Sports came under fire last year because NBA 2K21 has skippable has unskippable ads, and this year's 20, 2K22 still features in-game ads and blatant product placement despite the backlash. This is important because NBA 2K21 and NBA and 2K22 jumped up to $70 on PS5 and Xbox Series X. You can't defend or justify why a game packed full of money-grabbing transactions need to raise prices. Nor can you expect players to believe that 2K Sports is not raking in the cash from these alternative digital revenue streams that become obsolete one year later. Sure, you could talk boycott, but players have little impose control, and it's not like there's any competition anyway. EA hasn't stepped up with its hoop game since NBA since 2018's NBA Live 2019. Or NBA Live 19. Battlefield 2042 is another example. Not only did the shooter launch in comically half-baked state, packed with technical issues and balance issues, but it also lacks a campaign mode. It's an exclusive multiplayer experience. Still, EA has not only launched the game in the state, but it bumped the price up to $69.99 on PS5 and Xbox Series X and S, and included a $39.99 season pass. For reference, Halo Infinite's multiplayer mode launched around the same time as Battlefield 2042, but entirely for free and independent of the campaign. 
Third-party publishers follow the leader, so when Sony raises the prices of games, it gives space for publishers like 2K, Activision, and Electronic Arts to do the same. And when they raise prices, they're not doing that. Instead of microtransactions, they're doing so alongside microtransactions. If the additional ways to generate money via microtransactions were meant to blunt a price bump, then why? Then what's the excuse now? So uh, go ahead and go give that article a read on PCMag.com. Uh, before I throw it to Tricky Yield, I'll just say that I've talked about Hot Wheels Unleashed before on this show. Um, I bought it on sale, so I got the first two uh, passes. There's uh, Of the total three passes, I got the full game and the first two volume passes for 60 bucks. So I got a good deal on those. But if you buy the game for 60 bucks, you're then expected to pay $30 for each volume pass, which includes cars and customization items for your racetracks and, and uh, generally um, like some kind of event throughout the year. But then on top of that, they also add in, you know, $2 car packs. Plus, you also have to pay to get into the racing seasons like, say, SpongeBob SquarePants. So that, like I said before, that game has monetized the hell out of its systems where you're paying full price for a game and then you're paying for content beyond that. So as much as I enjoy that game, that's one thing I did to cry and say, this is kind of bullshit because you're squeezing every single bit out of, of money out of the Hot Wheels license. So uh, that is my personal experience with it because I definitely feel like while microtransactions aren't inherently a bad thing, I think that a lot of people are taking it to the extreme in the video game industry. So Tricky, go ahead. The floor is yours, sir. I, I should let okay. Yield go first. Yield, sir. The floor is yours. So. Um, I have never been a fan of microtransactions, whether it would be a $60 game or a $70 game. Um, you can really blame mobile gaming for that because everything was 99 cents. So people were dropping a dollar here or there all the time. And since that was such a successful model, console gaming picked up on it. And it seems to still be thriving fine. So as long as people feed the monster, it will stick around. Um, to Tricky's argument of shouldn't people get paid for their work, I don't disagree that people should not get paid for their work. The problem is, is that you're spam working, so to speak, and that you're not really putting out good additional content, whereas you're just putting out skins and cosmetics which really doesn't enhance the game it just makes it more personable to you so that's where i have an overall problem with it you know i am of the mindset of if it just if it doesn't wet my whistle i'm just not buying it i don't care how much you spam it into the game i know that there are other people who it's the latest and greatest, and I have to have it. So that's where I stand on microtransactions. I feel they're kind of the bane of of gaming existence as a whole, not just console edition. I'm talking all gaming, but it's profitable, and as long as it's profitable, they're going to do it. All right, and I don't have a problem with microtransactions unless it comes into a pay-to-win scenario. When if if the microtransactions are, are strictly cosmetic and or you know if the microtransaction enhances the single player uh and lets you quote unquote cheat a little bit you know be a little bit more op or you know enhance god mode or whatever like that i don't have a problem with microtransactions 
my problem microtransactions only applies to when it's a pay to win scenario in a multiplayer fashion um and you know i know i got into with you a little bit i know i got into with uh homer a little bit in our text chat it i i believe that if somebody does a body of work they should deserve to be paid for it and that's why you know and i've said on the show many times i get a review copy of the game i will go buy the season pass regardless if i like the game or not just to help that developer a little bit because they lost their sixty dollars uh you know or however much money they were going to make off the sale they lost that by providing me a free copy of the game and i know that works into their budget and they you know they budget for that and that's a loss for them and you know that's a tax write off or like that i get all that but i try to fund a developer as much as i can and if i like a game I mean, I bought the Regala edition of Forbidden West, and I have a massive um, Trumbertus statue, you know, right to my right. I I have no problem paying money for things, and I understand there's some people out there that don't have the income that I have and can't, you know, go out and buy three PS5s and, you know, four PS4s, you know. So, I don't have a problem with microtransactions. I have a problem with this headline saying that no $70 game should have microtransactions because I think that's a a blank and bold statement that's not true at all. If 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 they if a developer puts out a microtransaction and you don't like their microtransactions, don't buy them. It, it's as simple as that. But if you they put it out there. One, to make income, and two, to, you know, change your game, to personalize it to you. I don't have a problem with that. So, saying that no $70 game should have microtransaction, to me, is a bullshit statement. Uh, Alex, I'll pass it on to you, because I'm going to ramble on. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I don't agree necessarily with that as a blanket statement. But I, I do want to say that I think that, you know, for developers looking at, you know, adding microtransactions into their games like hey here's you know we want you to spend seventy dollars on this game and then we've got microtransactions which is again has gotten gran turismo into hot water because the game has reviewed really well and a lot of people are saying that it's best the best gran turismo game since apex it's back on the ps2 which is really good and then sony has seemed to fuck it up by adding my making the you know the currency system in there dominated by microtransactions and expensive microtransactions so which, you know, is, is the reason why so many users are pissed off at Sony right now in the game itself. So, I mean, you took something that was, you know, had a lot of really goodwill and then you immediately turned it and made people pissed off about it. It's kind of like when Activision added microtransactions to Crash Team Racing. I mean, we never really trusted Activision when they said that there would be no microtransactions in there. But for them to go and do it, just it was a really sour, you know, it, it made sour the game for uh, some people, even if, you know, it wasn't necessarily necessary to to spend money in the game. You know, it's not like it was it was really um, pay to win in that regard. Um, it was just the idea that they would say that and then walk it back. Um, so, it, I think that you know Sony and everybody else need to realize that okay, yes, you can monetize the hell out of this game, but if you're thinking that oh well, we're going to increase our money made from Gran Turismo and then we'll put on our next big game 
and people will buy that and then they'll spend even money, more money on that. I think what they don't realize is a lot of people budget for their video games. And if they have an idea of what they want to spend and what they're willing to spend. So, you know, with the cost of goods and services going up right now and, not, and you know, incomes not necessarily matching that, I think that you're going to say, okay, well, maybe someone says, hey, yes, I'll, you know, spend some money on Gran Turismo 7 and then I'll buy some of the DLC or the microtransactions. I'll bite. But then does that then mean that they're going to say, well, I've spent this much money on microtransactions. I can't go then go buy a new game because I've spent so much money and I need to save my money. So I think in a way that some people are taking this overboard to where they're kind of cannibalizing sales of the industry where people maybe instead of buying, you know, two, three games a month or, you know, two games in two months, people maybe spend money on microtransactions and say, okay, well, then I can't afford another game because I've spent so much money here. So again, microtransactions to me aren't inherently bad. What I think though is that when the industry makes them such a big, big part of their their business model and expecting you to spend, you know, what turns out to be a hundred you know, hundreds of dollars to get a full game experience, whereas you used to get that for sixty bucks, fifty bucks. Um so I think that some people are kind of souring it for everybody, where, you know, people are tending to take it to the extreme where they don't need to. You know, all the sake of for the sake of squeezing as much money as possible out of their player base. And and you know, again, like Gran Turismo, you had so much goodwill towards that game. Sell it for seventy dollars and to make it just so dominated by microtransactions, it's like my God. How blatantly stupid can you be? I mean, I, I get that to a point, but again, I, I go back to the the aspect that, I mean, like you even said that like the goods are going up, like groceries are going up, gas is going up, all that stuff's going up. It's, I don't, I, I have a point I want to make, but I just don't know how to word it properly. It's, if, if everything is going up and in price, then these developers need to find a way to make money. I mean, we, we've said on the show many, many times that these games are getting more and more and more expensive to make. And, you know, a lot of people bitched when, you know, with the new generation games, they went up from 60 to $70. And I pointed out that back in the Super Nintendo games, we were paying $80, $90, $100 for games back then. And back then, that was a shitload of more, a lot more money than what it is now. It a hundred dollars back in the eighties and nineties went a lot farther than a hundred dollars goes now. The Super Nintendo, they were not selling Super Nintendo games for a hundred dollars. Yes, they were. We 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 had this argument before, and I proved it to you. And, and Homer even posted a picture in the Tokyo's group showing an ad for one of the games. It was a hundred dollars. So the idea of an MSRP did not fly back then. No, that was the that was the MSRP. <clears throat> Games are 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 cheaper now than they ever have been. Well, not not, not as cheap as they were on the PS3 and PS4. All right, we we won't get into it again, but yeah, uh, but yeah, but tricky. You uh, you look at you specifically I, I Sony. We don't know if the price of PlayStation Plus is going to go up. We're, we already had to pay, you know, $500 for the console. You've already got the rising cost of the games. And then just, it's a bad look to be like, okay, full price game. And then all of a sudden, microtransaction, microtransaction, microtransaction. The idea with microtransactions launching was initially, okay, 
we want you to play our game for free and we'll make up our money in microtransactions. Well, now that is translated to the video game industry trying to make as much money as they possibly can off people who, you know, pay for a game. And I don't think that they really thought about how that would affect people because you got, you, you know, we, people are trained over time to expect certain things for the amount of money they pay. And the video game industry, you know, we were for a long time used to getting a full game experience and that and that being it. And we paid our 60 bucks and we were out. Now it's like, okay, well, 80, 100, 120. I'm not opposed to people getting paid for their work, but the just over diffusion of microtransactions in games has got a lot of people worried because it can only go downhill from here. I think for most video game makers, there are only going to be more microtransactions in games. Like, how long before, you know, are we ever going to pay, you know, 99 cents for a face paint and horizon in the in the third game, which I mean, should it come out? I assume it will. But are you going to pay a dollar for each one of Aloy's uh, outfits or costumes as opposed to earning them within the game? I mean, I'm not saying Sony's going to do that, but it's just a mere example. How long before it just overtakes the industry? I think that, yes, game makers do deserve to get paid for the hard work they put in. And it needs to it needs to match, but you don't feel like there's currently an over monetization of the video game industry. Me personally, no, I I don't think. I mean, I look at it as developers and publishers are trying to make money in any way, the shape, shape or form they can. I mean, what what we had back on the PS3 days, it was the the online pass for games, like when you bought a used game. They charge you what ten twenty dollars to play the game online. That that was short lived, but yeah, they tried to do that. I mean, and and people rebelled against that, and you know, it didn't and, work. And, well, it it worked, but it I think it also went away because at that time, um, Sony started charging for online to play online with PlayStation Plus. Because I think at the time of the game pass, the uh, the online pass, I don't think they had. I, I think that was before they incorporated it into Plus that you had to have that to play online. I see when I look at microtransactions, like I said earlier, I I look at it as this is a developer or a publisher trying to find a way to make income on a game that otherwise would have been dead in the water. In, in the aspect of it's one and done, we've released our seventy dollar game. We're not going to make any money more for this because we're not going to make DLC. And now they're trying to find ways to make the make money off that game. I don't begrudge that one bit. I, I don't have a problem with it. And like I said, if you look at a game, uh, you know, let's just throw Rocket League in there. We all play Rocket League. We could all play the game. There's no restrictions. And if you want to spend $20 on a goal, you have that power. You don't have to spend twenty dollars on a goal to play that game. So, do I do I have a problem with like microtransactions in Rock League? No, because you don't have to buy it, but it's there if you want to, and you, if you want to support the developer and you want to support the publisher, it's there for you to do it. Do I think twenty dollars for a goal is overpriced? Fuck well, yeah. Okay, let, like Hot Wheels Unleashed. Let's go back to that because again, for each like kind of season pass thing, you pay thirty dollars, and that gets you like. I think it's like nine cars, customizable items, and then maybe one event. And 
But then there's also these other sub-events, like racing seasons, like SpongeBob, and I assume there will be a He-Man Master of the Universe one, that you have to pay an additional 5 or $6 for. And then on top of that, there's extra car packs. If I'm paying $30 for a season pass, you better give me everything released in that season. Because all these other things... But, you're not, but, but that $30 isn't a season pass. That $30 is for content. Yes. The SpongeBob is your season pass. No, the SpongeBob is a separate event. Yeah. Right, but the same thing with Rocket League. You pay for the seasons. You pay $10 for the but seasons. $30 is half of a game. It's almost the full price of something like Kena Bridge of Spirits. And then adding stuff within the season beyond that. You don't think that's overdoing it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's an argument, like I said earlier. There's always an argument to say if something's overpriced. $20 for a goal is overpriced. $30 for a season pass. If you think $30 is too much for nine cars and whatever comes in Hot Wheels, don't buy the don't buy that pack. But it's not going to stop you from playing the game. It's not going to hinder your experience. That that's why I say I don't I personally don't have a problem with microtransactions as long as it doesn't fall into a pay-to-win situation. If if that if paying that $30 in Hot Wheels gave me a much faster car than anything that I could earn in the game, yeah, I'd have a major problem with it. But if it's all cosmetic and it all the cars run the same, no, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with my microtransactions. I think people are overdoing it, but I within that specific example, someone's played the game. I feel like when I pay thirty dollars for a pass, I get everything in that pass. Like I should get everything released in that season. Like you doing all these smaller charges, like for racing seasons and stuff. It's like that's I don't know. That to me comes off as greedy. Um, that comes to me comes off as going above and beyond um, what you would need to charge. Personally, I don't have the financials of you know how much it took to pay that game or license Hot Wheels or whatever. But again, that just seems like a lot to me because I've been trained to expect that okay, there's all this content within this within the um, battle pass, and I get everything within that battle pass when I pay that upfront cost. That's just me. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to see eye to eye to this entirely. Um, Yield is more against my current transactions than you and I, Tricky. But I mean, my problem is just that it it's getting a little crazy. It's getting a little hairy here. And yes, you're right. It is, you know, a lot of times voluntary. You don't have to buy this to play the game. But it also, I mean, let's be honest. We're collectors. We know, even in trophies, we try to collect all the trophies in the game that we play. You know, tro- Tricky, you're a trophy horde. It also kind of preys on our need to collect everything uh, within a set, you know, especially with Hot Wheels. It's like, oh, I got to get all the cars. Like it is kind of preying on that, which, you know, one would argue that, you know, resist. You don't have to do that. But it's, you know, for a lot of us, it's it's hard not to collect everything. So it does prey on that a little bit. Let's go ahead and um, do our shout outs and we'll get out of here for this week. Well, I was going to let y'all wrestle for it, but I guess uh, y'all don't want to oil up and do some Greco-Roman style, so go ahead and go to Yield first. So, I give a shout to Alex and Ye- uh, Yield. Huh. Alex and Tricky for recording tonight. Uh, I should give it another tri- a shout out to Tricky for showing up this week, just to rub it in. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, shout out to uh, Travis... Nitro, Alex, and Homer for Rocket League Thursdays. Uh, shout out to uh, Nitro and 
the brain for playing some deep rock on Friday. Uh, shout out to Gorilla for Horizon, even though I have my complaints about the game. I still am really enjoying the game. Uh, there's always something else, and I always forget it. But that'll do me this week. Tricky. <laughs> well, normally I'm used to going last. Um, I give a shout out to listeners. Shout out to you guys for holding down the fort last week when I uh, I, I dropped the ball. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I appreciate you guys stepping up. Um, uh, I want to give a twerp view to Alex who made uh Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday a little bit of hell because he messed up a little bit on the post of the episode. Can't tell you how much anger I had toward you, Alex. That's fine. You'll you'll get over it. I still. You've gotten over it already. I'm uh, in the clear. I I I did, but you know, I I had people message me. Oh, it's last week's show. I'm like, oh shit, he never beat me. Uh it was an honest mistake. I'm like, I'm not really mad at you. It's just it was more of a headache than anything else. Uh shout out to everybody. Uh, twerp you to Homer for being a troll. Uh I love you, Homer, but you're a troll. Uh, shout out to everybody that listens to the show. I mean, shout out to Sweet Mama D, who I will get to see next week because I've been working too much. Um, and that's it. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to the community, our awesome community, the Trophy Horrors community, all our listeners, fans, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horrors. Again, we have somehow made it to 517 episodes without all this cracking and running into the forest and finding somewhere quiet to just rock and cry. Uh, but the impetus for that or the, the catalyst for us to continue on has been you all. You are our, the uh, Frank, Dr. Frankenstein to this Frankenstein's monster. So thank you very much for continuing to support us as we you know move towards 600 episodes. Give a shout out to Tricky and to Yield for recording tonight, even though Tricky has worked so very much in the last two days. And I'm sure that his bed and pillow sound really, really good. So let's let's try not to to keep him here any longer. Uh, also want to give a shout out to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley. And uh, yeah, that is going to be the end of my shout outs. Anybody else got anything to add before we wrap it up this week? I just want to hype up that... Uh... I don't know who's going to be here next week because we're uh, WrestleMania is next weekend. I don't know. Well, I'll be here. All right, and I uh, just want to plug uh, in two weeks, the week after next week's show, uh, we're going to have a special guest on the show, a uh, long friend and podcast host of Yield. Uh, so teasing that a little bit. Uh, it was always good to have him on the show. And I finally got him to uh, agree to come on. Throw out a, three, a, a few torpedoes since it's been such a long time. Uh, and uh, before Alex will steal my catchphrase, until next week, happy trophy. Oh, I do all the hosting and yeah. you try to take it at the end? Yeah, he does. You always steal he my catchphrase. He seals host. it. I do some fantastic you segues steal? and you just want to take control at the end. Like, yeah, you want all the credit. It's it's disrespect that you steal my tagline when you hold because they're like people expect it and you know it's just kind of like I want to give the people what they want what they deserve and they want the tagline on the way out. Yeah, but it's 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 my catchphrase. You know, you wouldn't steal Walter. You wouldn't host the news and then steal Walter Cronkite's catchphrase. Are you comparing yourself to Walter Cronkite? Do you he think is. that you're as important Ron, as Walter Cronkite? Ron Burgundy. 
but he's funny. No, Will Ferrell is not funny. Mm, and do you think you are funny? I'm hysterical. We're not going to take votes on that because we don't want to hurt Tricky's feelings. Everybody, go get you some fucking platinums this week. Are you happy, Tricky? song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash Even Philippines. 